0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Before I ask you to dive into your Bibles, is everybody ready for the Word this morning? You know, when we come to church, come expectant. You know what I think that we do uh, oftentimes on Sunday mornings? We prepare for service, but we don't prepare our hearts for God. Did you guys hear what I said? We dress up, we come to church and we prepare for the service, and we know that generally, uh, Donnie, he cuts out about 12, sometimes, somewhere 12:15 maybe, and then I stick around in fellowship for maybe 20 minutes, and then I go and I have lunch. We prepare to go through the motions, but we truly don't prepare our hearts for God, for God to do something in our lives. So when we come to church, let's come expectant and faith-filled because generally when we come believing and expecting, God does something. He does something sometimes in our hearts. He might do something in your body. He may end up doing something in your finances. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. If we come expecting, God will move. Amen. So listen, just before the holidays, I was stuck in The longest series, I was going to say perhaps, not perhaps, it was the longest series I've ever personally done. What I call a series, I say, you know, it can be comprised of two or three messages or more than one that would um, qualify it for a series. Well, for six weeks consecutively... I preached on a series uh, back in uh, n- November and December called The Sound of Awakening. How many were here for that series called The Sound of Awakening? Can I see a show of hands so I know who I'm talking to? Basically, the last message that I preached on that series was in, on December 8th, rather, and um, I believe it was about worshipers. Now, what do I mean when I say that word, The Sound of Awakening? What I mean is, is uh, throughout history, I've seen God, I've read about how the Lord has sparked all these amazing revivals throughout church history. There was these mile markers in time where God showed up, especially in a service, his glory hit. There was uh, nations that were shaken. There were churches that were awakened. I'm not talking about the type of revival that we get to just make up and say, hey, we're going to have a revival weekend. In my opinion, you, there is no pastor nor minister that can say, hey, at this specific time, we're going to have a revival meeting. A real revival is, 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 is um, where God shows up. This is not planned. It may have been prayed for, but when God shows up, you survive it right? There's people who are awakened. There is businesses that are in the surrounding cities that are touched. It gets in the school system. It gets in the colleges and on the campuses. It gets into the homes and it gets into our hearts. and, and, And all of a sudden there is this awakening. It was like before we had these blinders on, now our eyes are open to the things of God. Things that never moved your heart before, when you read them, all of a sudden, the words jump off the page, and they come alive, and tears roll down your face. All of a sudden, you begin to pray for things that you never prayed before. It's, your prayers go beyond just saying, God, bless my finances, or bless my marriage. You start praying prayers like, God, pour out your spirit in this nation. Pour out your spirit in my city. Lord, I want more of your presence. And all of a sudden, the church is normal, or the average things that you once called church and a relationship. With Jesus now become a disgusting thing to you and compared to the glory of God. Can somebody say amen to that? That's what I mean by revival and what I mean by awakening. All of a sudden, you're awakened from your sleeping slumber, and all of a sudden, things become amazing. You look forward to getting into the house of God. And can I be honest with you? This church has not seen an awakening. We haven't. We've been praying a year and a half for awakening. How many's heart is to see God move in extraordinary ways and exponential ways? It's going to take more than just one or two or even three people praying for that. Amen. It's going to take us a corporate body to see that come to fruition. I was sitting this morning, woke up at 4.05 a.m. on the dot. I just was praying. I believe it was this morning when I believe the Lord spoke this to me. And I believe this is the imagery that I had in my mind. I knew it was from the Holy Spirit. I seen someone throwing a piece of ice into a pool. And I felt the Holy Spirit say this. Just like a piece of ice cannot change the temperature of your pool, one man's prayers cannot change the trajectory of a church. It's going to take many people coming along, joining together in prayer, I think it can start with a man, but it doesn't end there. That man is only a spark. And my hope is is that I act as a spark in your life to cause a fire that cannot be contained for Jesus. Amen? And that spills outside of the four walls of the church into your place of business or within your cubicle or at your home or wherever it might be. Amen? How many want to see the glory of God? Amen. What's well, going to take a corporate body praying and seeking, the God, seeking God together corporately. So that being said, this was how this message was, or this series was birthed, rather, called The Sound of Awakening. And the first message was, in those series, those messages had titles. And the first title was a Desperation. Everybody say Desperation. And the second one was Declaration. And the third one was Warfare, Brokenness. The fifth one was sacrifice. Somebody say sacrifice. The last one that I preached on December 8th was called worshipers. Now, these are all the sounds that you generally hear before a revival hits. That's why I called it the sound of awakening, because there is a certain sound that precedes awakening. You will not find awakening in a cold church. You will not find awakening where there is prayerlessness. You will not find awakening where there is worshiplessness. Is that a word? You will not find awakening and true revival if there is no real desperation in your hearts for the things of God. Amen. And so as I've, I've studied awakenings uh, for the past several years, uh, of course, the Brownsville Revival, everybody's heard me talk about the Brownsville Revival, I'm, I'm sure, studied the Welsh Revival. This is from years ago, over 100 years ago, these great revivals that took place that changed cities and changed nations. As a matter of fact, in, in the Welsh Revival, most, uh, it was a um, blue-collared city where they would um, work in the, in the mines. They were coal miners. And so... The businesses almost, they had, uh, there was all this chaos going on because uh, during the Welsh revival, people were getting saved and coal miners cursed like sailors, okay? And so what they had to do is they had to bring trainers in because the mules no longer listened to 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 the guys who were working them because they only responded by the cuss words, because the coal miners cursed so much that the, when they got back from this revival after getting saved they no longer cursed anymore so the so so, so the mules wouldn't you know uh, listen to the commands so they had to have trainers come in we're talking about a revival that changes cities when you become a new creation you, you shouldn't cuss anymore come on somebody look at somebody and say you better stop cursing it changed the city So they brought in different mules. They brought in different trainers to retrain these things because they only responded to curse words. And so as I began to study revivals, there was this central theme that I kept seeing over and over again. You would think that most of these revivals comprised of great worship or great stage plays, you know, great Matt Gilman's or great Lydia Marrow's. Did I say that name right? or you know Eddie James if you like gospel music come on you would you would think that that's what actually sparked the revivals you would think that it was due to you know the great leadership of an organization they had amazing teams that hosted people well when they walked through the door and they felt loved and they felt welcomed but as i begin to study it and i begin to really look at it real revivals almost they didn't have any of those qualities the central quality that i begin to find out was prayer somebody say prayer prayer is a central theme when it comes to sparking a revival it is the the spark that god uses in order to cause a fire amen it's where god uses our mouths and partners with our mouths to declare a thing come on that's where declaration came from that that series when i was when i was preaching that message called declaration. We begin to partner with heaven. We get the mind of heaven, the heart of heaven, and we begin to declare into the atmosphere what God's will is for the earth. And revival begins to fall. Revival begins to spark. And if I'm honest with you, when I surf YouTube and I see different messages that I cross, more times than not, I skip over those messages that are entitled prayer. Am I the only one? Second would be fasting. I kind of feel like it's like vegetables, like feeding my kids vegetables. Does anybody else feel like that? Because we don't want to really hear a message on prayer. We want to hear messages on how God's going to bless me, how God is going to promote me at my job, how is God going to fix my marriage, how is God going to heal my body? And all these different things that we want God to do. But the truth of the matter is, until we eat this vegetable and 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 embrace this vegetable called prayer, we're not going to really see the true results that we are looking to see. Because it's prayer by which we it's prayers that we pray that actually lead to the healing of a marriage. It's the prayers that we decree that actually lead to a revival or lead to some kind of financial breakthrough or whatever it is that God puts in our hearts. Amen? And I'm concerned for this generation, that we're just in this feed me generation, as if God is just going to move on your behalf without your partnership. But prayer is the central theme that I was finding in these revivals. And I'm calling the church back to a place of prayer. You know, Jesus said it like this, My house shall be called House of prayer, and when I look all over the nation, I have to include myself in this. I'm grieved not just at myself and and, but, but 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 the church as a whole because when I go there or when I when we when we even hold services, our central theme is not really prayer, although we pray. Most churches we go to these days, we get entertained and we leave with a brochure and we leave with encouraging word and yet we're not growing in our relationship with God. We're not being provoked to find that place of intimacy with God in prayer. It's only found in prayer. Somebody say in prayer. prayer. Now, I begin to study the life of Jesus recently and just been thinking about him and these different verses were standing out to me and I want to I read uh, a couple of them to you. And it says this and in Luke chapter five, verse 15. It says, however, the report went around concerning him, meaning Jesus, all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him of their infirmities. So listen to this. So he, who's he? So he, Jesus, or he himself, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Everybody say often. In Mark chapter 6, verse 46, it'll be up on the screen, it says this, and when he had sent them away, meaning the multitudes, Jesus departed to the mountain by himself to pray. He went to pray. Everybody say pray. And I, I am concerned that we want something for which we have not paid the price We want blessings. We want to think that we can turn around five times and give like I stated last week and we just get the blessings. My friend, there is a partnership that can only be found between you and God and that is through prayer. As I begin to think about these different revivals and sometimes we memorialize them and we see what God did in the by and by, but the truth of the matter is God wants to do more than just stop in for a visit. He wants to do more than just stop and create a historic moment in the church of Jesus Christ and say, you know, for us to be able to say, hey, God did this back then. God is wanting to create a habitation. He's wanting to find a place of worship where the dove can come and rest on its branches. Healing should be the normal. This should not be abnormal. That it should be normal Christianity when somebody's back is healed or when somebody is diagnosed with cancer and the church comes together and prays. I believe in doctors and why God doesn't heal everybody I don't have those answers. Maybe we will never know on this side of heaven. But I know this. I have seen God do amazing things, but they're usually not done outside of a place of intimacy and prayer. Somebody say pray. Pray. And as I just mentioned a minute ago, and uh, I I mentioned Jesus' house was called the house of prayer. I'm getting somewhere. Don't let me lose you. I'm getting somewhere. Just let me build the framework. Jesus called his house the house of prayer of prayer. Somebody say prayer. And I have to be honest. I have been concerned about my own personal prayer life. I've read recently that most pastors pray sometimes five minutes and less a day. That grieved me. I was in a meeting just last week directly after service and I sat I sat in the green room with a gentleman and he proceeded to tell me that his pastor was teaching him how to preach. And he said, listen, you don't have to study. Go online and simply download the sermons yourself and communicate the word. You don't have to study yourself. And and, and he didn't know, but I commanded the tears to go back up in my face. And I thought to myself, there is no person that I know No man or woman of God that should not get before the word of God and weep and lament over the things that they're about to bring to the people of God before they deliver it. It should be a scary thing. I mean, one day I'm going to have to stand before the Lord or whomever it Who is, doesn't matter where you are, if you've ever taught in front of someone or gave an encouraging word, do you know every word that we say or speak, we will one day stand before the judgment seat of Christ and have to give an account. And so I almost grieved. I almost cried. I thought to myself, is this the day we're living in? You know, mail order, you know, you just, just type in, you know, um, brokenness and you get your sermon and you go up in front of someone and preach. Far be it from us. Amen? Far be it from us. Leonard Ravenhill said this, there is no place on God's earth more exciting than the church of the living God when God is moving and brooding there and there is no place more boring when he isn't there. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of having churches normal. And I have a word to say to you this morning. We cannot, again, birth something for which we have not yet paid the price for. I know for a year and a half we have been praying and we've been seeking the Lord, but I'm calling the church up to a higher level of prayer a higher level of intimacy with God because God generally doesn't move until we partner with him in prayer and seeking his face. And so today I want to entitle this message Divine Dialogue. Divine Dialogue. Somebody say Divine Dialogue. Divine Dialogue. There was this man who passed away. He was an older gentleman. He was an intercessor And as the morgue was there cleaning his body, they found two knots on his knees. They thought they looked really abnormal, and they began to look closely at his bone structure. They couldn't figure it out. Well, someone went to his home, and they found out after the house was completely empty, they found two grooves on the floor that had been worn maybe close to an inch deep. And they found out that the reason for the knots in his knees, because he spent more than half of his life on his knees praying and interceding for the nation of the world. He was a praying man, but he's seen results. Can you imagine that? One of the points is, is that God, the reason why we want to partner with him in prayer is one specific thing. And you want to know why we linger in prayer? Is because prayer changes the atmosphere. It changes the spiritual climate and prayer can change the spiritual climate, not just in here. How many have ever experienced God in the sanctuary and you wonder why you go home and things just seem stale? It's not that God isn't there. It's that prayer and intercession and worship create the climate for which God begins to move. And that's what we have to do in our own homes. If we want to see God move in our generation, we have to take our worship and our prayer life beyond just a few minutes or an hour and a half in church service. Amen? If we really want to see God move in our church, we ought to get to praying at home before we get to church. I told you recently, I long for the day to get here at at 945, 15 minutes before this door opens. I don't think that's asking much, and just people walking these, the, the perimeter of these walls, like the walls of Jericho, praying for an awakening, praying for a revival, praying for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. This is a clarion call today for us to go back to the place of prayer. I know this is old school preaching, but I'm going to tell you there are some things that cannot be birthed in the earth except through prayer. Prayer if we want our family to change, if we want the atmosphere of our workplace to change, we got to learn to pray. We got to learn this divine dialogue. This is the language of heaven. And we wonder why God's not moving. We wonder why the Holy Spirit's not healing bodies. We wonder why people aren't getting out of wheelchairs. We wonder why we got to read the Bible and it's not happening in our own personal lives. It's because we haven't found that private place of prayer. When I first met my wife, I couldn't get a hold of her when we were in the dating stage. I couldn't get a hold of her at a specific hour in the morning. And the hour was usually between 7 and 8 a.m. And she told me she got up earlier than that. So I, I never understood why she didn't answer her phone for months and months and months in our dating. And when I was courting her, I couldn't figure this out. And then I finally found out one day. I think I knocked on her door. Her door was open or she told me she was praying. I found out that she tucked herself in the closet for the first first hour of the day praying. I said, how do you find so much to pray about? And she had this laundry list of things. If you don't have things, you know, if it's not in your mind to pray, she had this laundry list. She's praying for all these individuals. I'm like, you spend that much time in prayer in the morning? But she began to get victory in her life, and I began to see God move in her life. Struggles that I had when I was a young boy. I remember I would go into these services every Friday night, and we would pray on our face for three hours. People wonder how I got set free. They think there's A, B, and C. We, we, this is what we tell people uh, to do to get set free. We say, hey, go to church and get yourself a Bible and read. But let me fr- tell you, my friend, there's plenty of people who read their Bible and go to church and who are not set free. If you want to be set free, you can find freedom in the place of prayer, in the place of seeking God. Because when you begin to pray and we begin to seek God, the climate in our life begins to change. And there are certain things that cannot grow there because we're praying and we're seeking his face, amen? Why do you think the enemy fights us so hard? It's easy to sit there on our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and all this social media for an hour, but when it comes to prayer, we only give God 60 seconds or two minutes by the end of the day, and we think we can walk in victory when we're spending this kind of a, amount of time in prayer. Victory comes through intimacy, Intimacy, t- intimacy takes more than just a minute or so. If you're married, just ask your wife. It takes more time than just, just a, a rub on the shoulder or a hug or a kiss on the cheek to let them know you love them. True prayer produces intimacy. Intimacy produces the blessing. Intimacy gets your prayers answered. When I think about this word climate, I was thinking this morning how I begin to see the climate change. How many have been overseas or in a different country? When you go to a different country, the people even smell different. Am I right? I know it sounds funny. They smell different. It's because they eat different foods. It's because they have different lifestyles. Their culture is different. Because when when the climate is different, there are certain fruits that are produced there, right? We're in a tropical land here, but if you go, let's say, to Israel, you're not going to see the same type of fruits or, or vegetables because climate determines the culture, right? And so what prayer does is it begins to create an atmosphere or a climate that produces something. What is that something? The presence of God. So when we're trying to work the presence of God up, it's not because we're not just sitting there worshiping him because that's how services should be done. It's because we know once the climate changes, everything else changes. If we begin to pray and we begin to seek God, we begin to love on him, all of a sudden somebody's all of a sudden somebody's body may be healed. Somebody may get touched. Somebody's heart may change. Somebody may get saved. Somebody may fall under conviction and give their hearts to Christ. It's because prayer changes the climate. Amen? And there's certain things that can grow in other climates that can't grow in others. You can't expect expect fruit to grow in the Sahara Desert. Amen? Just like we cannot expect miracles to happen in a prayerless church. Expecting fruit in a desert is like trying to get miracles to happen in a dry place where there is no prayer. So if we're going to see the fruit of God in this season, it can only be found in the place of prayer. Amen? In Luke chapter 8, verse 50 through 53, it says this, but when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. This is a young girl who died. This was Jairus' daughter. And when he had come into the house, Jesus, he permitted, watch this, he permitted no one to enter except Peter, James, John, and the father and the mother of the girl, Now all wept and mourned for her. Now watch this. But he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. He put all the people outside of the room because Jesus had a revelation. The atmosphere matters whether this girl was going to get a healing or not. He removed everybody out of that room who was doubting and ridiculing him because he knew he had to get in an atmosphere that was fused with faith fused with power. So if there's people in your life when you're believing for something and they begin to speak doubt or fear into your life and say, honey, I don't know what I would do. I would run from that relationship knowing it was from God or or knowing that you have a specific destiny and calling and they say, hey, you've already tried for five years. You need to give it up. You better get those people out of the room of your life and get get around some people who are full of faith, who are full of the Holy Spirit, who will help inspire what God wants to do in your life, not quench it. Amen? So Jesus got this revelation. He said, "I got to get them out of this room." God Himself had to put people out of the room who doubted, because He knew if He was filled, uh, if He was, if a room was filled with doubting people, it would prohibit Him from doing the very miracle that He wanted to do for this little girl. The Bible says that He grabbed her by the hand and says, "And says, Talitha, arise!" And he and she got up and she ate that very hour. Amen. We have to live in a place that is fused with his presence, fused with faith, fused with prayer, amen, because that's where we see the miracle. And we need real climate change, I believe, in this church. I was downtown working in the PNC building, and I was, I think, the, maybe the fourth floor up, I believe, third or fourth floor up. And on the corner there, I seen lots of signs and people protesting. The corner was filled with hundreds of people. And they were, they were um, protesting about the climate change. And they were holding up these signs and they were shouting, I'm working, I'm looking out the window, like, what's all this about? And I just got a revelation uh, we, we need to go on a spiritual protest in our churches. We wonder why God's not moving. It's because we need a dramatic spiritual climate change, but our climates aren't going to change until we change our disposition as it relates to prayer and seeking God's face. And number two is the reason we pray, the reason we seek God is because it infuses power. Somebody say power. It infuses power. What enabled Jesus to walk in such Power. It wasn't because he was witty. It wasn't just because he was the son of God. Jesus was the prototype of, by which we should live, right? And so Jesus walked in these miracles. He walked in these signs and wonders. Not from being He didn't get energy from being around the crowds. He got energy and he got his power from being away from the crowds. He would take time away. He would spend time with the Father. He would have this divine dialogue between him and his Father. That's where he got his power to minister from. And if you want power to be able to not only minister to people, but to walk in victory in your personal, private life, we have to get back in our prayer closet. We have to get on our face. We have to seek him. We have to talk to him. We have to dialogue. There has to be this divine Exchange. Amen. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Excuse me, I may have misquoted that earlier. In Matthew 6, it talks about seek first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. Well, I guess it's somewhere in Matthew chapter 6. I think I misquoted it earlier, my apologies. But Matthew 6, 6 says this but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in a secret place and your father who is in heaven will see you in secret and reward you openly. The reason most people don't walk in public power is because they have no private prayer life. There is no privacy. The most of their uh, prayer life is comprised of a Sunday morning expression. My friend, if your prayer life only consists of a 30 minute prayer session on Sunday morning, when worship go- is going on, we are in a heap of trouble. We cannot fight addictions, nor can we overcome the onslaughts of the enemy by just praying maybe 20 minutes per week. I'm not saying that 20 minutes is not a long time, but I am saying once every seven days is far too long if you're going to walk in victory. I am saying that. So the reason we have no public power is because we have no private relationship with God. And we wonder why it's so difficult to see certain sins in our lives and certain propensities to be demolished in our lives, it's not because God doesn't want us to be set free. It's because we are prayerless in our pursuit of Jesus. Amen? I've never seen anybody spend quality time and not have a quality life with God. If you spend quality time with him, you will live extraordinarily. You will be able to fight off things that other people cannot fight off, simply because that there's a relationship, there's an intimacy, there's a power that you have from spending time with the Holy Spirit. I was thinking about Moses this early this morning in the wee hours, and I was thinking about how he went up to the mountain to pray. The Bible says that he was up there for 40 days. And when he came down the mountain, the Bible says that his face emanated with glory. He didn't realize he was glowing. Why was he glowing? It's because he was spending time in God's presence. His countenance was changing. When you spend time with the Holy Spirit, you shouldn't come out of that prayer closet depressed. You shouldn't come out struggling the same way. I know there might be weeks that might have to go by and you may be struggling with things here and there, but if you spend enough time in God's presence, the glory of God will eventually come and visit you and touch you and heal you of a physical ailment. He'll heal you of some emotional issues. He'll heal you of some depression issues. Come on, somebody say amen to that. God will touch you in the secret place. And if you want to walk in public power and have some private power in your own life over certain propensities, we can find it, but it's only through the secret place. Amen? Spending time with the Lord, you know, it may not cause your face to glow, but it sure will change your work atmosphere. It'll sure sure change the way that you treat your spouse. Go ahead, look straight ahead. It'll change the way that you look at things and change the way that you behave It'll change your perspective. It'll enrich your relationship with Jesus. The things that used to look like mountains will now turn into molehills. Why? Because prayer gives you perspective on things for which you did not have perspective before. It has a way to give you the eyes of Jesus to begin to see difficult situations in the light of Christ. Amen? Don't just talk about it. Pray about it. Amen? I love this. In Jeremiah 33, verse 3, it says this. Watch this. Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things for which you do not know. It's not that God's not wanting to do mighty things. He's wanting you to call on him in the place of prayer, in that private relationship, and you begin to watch God work in miraculous ways. Miraculous ways. Number three, prayer removes hindrances. Prayer removes hindrances. Can I be transparent just for a moment? This past week, it was last week before last, um, there was a situation I was dealing with and I was beyond frustrated. I was frustrated. I needed some climate change. I was angry. There were some injustices. I was was hurt. It was wrong what was being done. And I'm like, Lord, I need you to really take care of this situation. So I called my friend and I'm frustrated. And the last thing I want to do is pray. I know you guys always want to pray, right? In every situation, when you're getting cut off on I-4, I'm sure that's the first thing you want to do. Well, I wasn't wanting to pray at that specific time, and I was angry. I needed somebody else to pray for me, so I called my friend, and for 10 minutes, he began to release things over the phone. And it gave me a revelation because all of a sudden, when my climate was filled with frustration, I was, I was a little irritated, all of a sudden... For the next 10 minutes, he began to pray and release, and, and, and my whole climate began to change. My whole house began to be filled with peace. And I'm like, Lord, I could have did that, but my perspective was skewed, and my friend knew that if he could change you know, my perspective, begin to pray over me, the atmosphere of my home would change. And that's exactly what happened. Sometimes we need to step back from our frustrations and just go to prayer. Sometimes when you spouses and you're going at it, the best thing for you to do is go in the other room and just point the finger and say, you know, you go pray this way and I go pray this way. Amen. Sometimes when you're on the job, you're frustrated with your boss or whatever it might be. The best thing for you to do is not to lean over to your coworker and talk about your boss. You need to pray for your boss. Come on. In all these different situations, we can apply this principle, but prayer is the answer to change not only the climate but to remove the hindrance and that's exactly what my friend did he helped me to remove the hindrance that was in the atmosphere amen and not only does it remove uh hindrances but I'm reading a book recently. I, I think I've mentioned it in a service about, about there being brassy heavens at times. Some, has anybody ever felt like there was just a ceiling over your head where you're not seeing your prayers answered, you're not seeing uh, progress, you're not seeing God move in the ways that maybe you thought He should move? Well, there there was a spiritual, there spiritual implications. There were, did you know that just as much as God wants to answer your prayers, the enemy's at work wanting to hinder your prayers? And some people say prayers like this, what will be, what will be, or what will be, will be. This kind of, this kind of thinking is erroneous. You want to know why? It's because we are to partner with God's will in the earth and to speak those things that be not as what? As though they were, because there are certain things that happen in the spirit realm that want to hinder you from entering into your destiny, You know, God, as it relates to marriage or whether it relates to your finances, the enemy doesn't want you to prosper. God wants you to, but the enemy is also at work just as much as God is. He doesn't sleep or slumber either. He's strategically planning things. You don't think he tries to hinder the atmosphere of this church. You don't think he wants to hinder the progress of this church. Why? Because salvations, come on, are on the line. People's souls are on the line. So, of course, the enemy wants to create hindrances and create a brass heaven over our heads. But the things that break the brass heavens and shatter walls above our head is prayers, amen? Prayers are like a hammer in a man's hand. You just keep swinging that hammer. If you've had prayers in your life that seem unanswered in this season of your life, my exhortation to you is this keep praying, keep seeking, wear, wear those grooves out on the floor of your home or whatever it is, or the carpet. Come on and seek God's face. And it's just a matter of time before you break through and the brassy heavens leave your life and the windows of heaven get open. Amen. But it only happens through persistent prayer. And if you're not persistent, you will lose out on the blessing. Be persistent. Look at somebody and nudge them and say, be persistent. Be persistent. Be persistent persistent. There's this quote by Beth Moore, and it says this, there are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit, and defeats of darkness that will come no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. Everybody say prayer. When is the last time you've been on your face before the Lord? Weeping. Weeping. Weeping for whether it's your nation, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's intercession about, you know, Lord, I just want more of you. Lord, teach me to hear your voice more, Lord. Teach me to be sensitive to your spirit more. When is the last time? I don't say that to, um, to maybe diminish your relationship with the Lord, but I, but I want to provoke you in your relationship with the Lord because all of us could go deeper at some level or another. Amen. Amen. The fourth thing. Prayer establishes the kingdom. You can stand to your feet. I know I went a little over. Prayer establishes the kingdom. Everybody say the kingdom. In Luke 11, verse 2, it says this. And he said to them, this is Jesus, when you pray, say. Everybody say. Say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. That's why I'm here, right here, that verse right there. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would Jesus lay out this verse if what will be will be? It's not about what will be, will be, because God's will is that his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is that anything that in your life that does not line up with this divine word and whatever it speaks over your life, God's will is that it be obliterated. God's will is that your life line up with his perfect plan and destiny for your life and from my life, and guess where that's discovered? Guess where the kingdom gets infused? Guess where the kingdom begins to get established? Through the private prayer life of the saints. Through us finding the secret place, getting his mind for our specific lives. How can we have the mind of Christ if we don't develop a dialogue with him? If we don't develop a relationship with him? It's my prayer in this season of our lives that we begin to wake up as a church. It's my deepest prayer that 1045 in the morning, we have more than maybe one or two people walking the atmosphere, changing the climate through prayer. Because if the climate's gonna change, listen, when the glory of God hits this place, people will come. If you build it, they will come. He said he wants His house to be a house of prayer, amen? If we begin to build this into a house of true prayer and worship, trust me, when the fire starts, people will not stay away. But I can't change the climate on my own. It's gonna take a partnership. It's gonna take all of us seeking God's face. You wanna know why the enemy's fighting you in your marriage? He's trying to keep you out of the prayer closet. You wanna know why the enemy's bothering you with trivial matters? It's because he wants you to miss your destiny. And it's only discovered in the place of prayer. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.